Yeah, it's got spots and a neck like a camel. What are we going to call it? Yeah. Camel leopard. Camel leopard. <laughs> oh, it's, it gets better. <laughs> been a little while since the last time we talked yeah since the last time we recorded yeah we live busy lives we do i literally 24 hours ago uh i was in san francisco and 24 hours before that i was here again i wow that's crazy yeah Yeah, you put it that way yes yeah since sunday or since monday i have been in two cities on opposite sides of the country but how was San Francisco? Uh, it was what you got to see of it. <laughs> it, it. By my experience, it's approximately two miles wide. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, it, it was pretty great. Uh, I actually got to run into a, uh, an old friend of mine. Oh, good. Who, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys know or I don't know if you guys bumped into uh, if any at any point in our history, a buddy of mine. Uh, who at least at the time went by Canis Lupus. Oh yeah. Oh uh, no. I thought you had, you might had have Tim, uh, but he lives out there now. And uh, we got to have some amazing ramen. Oh, sweet. At, which I ate like an American because I'm stupid. How does an American eat ramen? Very messily. And uh, without understanding how to use one of those the the giant spoons that come with ramen. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that it can be used. Uh, apparently, it's supposed to be used to help. It's not like a spoon, but it's you're supposed to use it to like help guide the food. Yeah, like that like you you lift like noodles onto the spoon and then use like the a, spoon. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and then use it all together to carry with the chopsticks, lift the noodles to your mouth. Yeah, it's almost like like a rake or something. I, it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to explain. But yeah, it's, it's it's weird. I felt that was the least cultured I've ever felt with my <laughs> with my friend who actually know. Well, one of the I'm sorry, that's not so bad. The, yeah, one I was going to say cultured moments in my life where I was actually with a friend of mine who knows what these things are and how do you, how to do all this. And then I was like, oh, right. I'm an American. I'm, you know. So I've made the uh, I'm going to I, I made the resolution that if he ever comes out this way, uh, I'm going to take him to the same burger place, the burger dive bar that I took you guys to, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that way, you know, no one can no one can eat those and and feel uncultured, just disgusting after. Yeah, those are some messy burgers. It was so delicious, though. <laughs> of course, mine was just like I just went all out like there's just no way like Did- no point of return with like the waffle chicken burger. Yes. Like I'm just holding waffles. Just, <laughs> just, just holding sticky waffles in my hands. I'm oh, just a man so here holding some waffles. Uh, it was so good. <laughs> yes. So it was it was pretty neat. And uh the people that I met out there for for work, which is why I was there, uh, they were all pretty cool. Um it was actually very weird for me uh not so much well i mean the travel wasn't very intense like i i still don't know what to do with all that but uh, having the time difference between here and ohio or between here yeah there and ohio like it was like watching everything on a time delay oh yeah and you had to deal with daylight savings time as well yeah and then also Mm. 
the election day. It was election day. So I'm like keeping track as much as I can yeah. on like Twitter, like what's happening? What's happening like, in wait. Ohio? Yeah, like, wait, what time is it there? Oh, the, are the polls closed yet? Oh, I forget how to do it. You know, like, and, and checking and trying not to sound like a complete moron when I'm talking to people that are actually there. Be like, oh, no, this is just very important in my home state. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> there are mm -hmm. things going on in a place that's not here. <laughs> not in California? Not central to California, mm. which, um, yeah, but otherwise it was it was a pretty cool city. I was I was there very briefly and the taxi driver who took me to the uh, took me to the place that I was meeting pe people at uh very very strongly cautioned me to um to make sure that I run my GPS on my phone in the if I ever take another taxi because other taxi cabs will cheat you if you do not pay attention to that and you're new to the city so word word to you from a taxi cab driver yeah. from san francisco that's pretty smart yeah mm -hmm. yeah tim you were at uh yomacon oh yes. man yeah yomacon is a convention in detroit for anime nerds yep and and nerds, and, yeah. and video game nerds too um yeah oh, and just nerds in general no 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 only those two nerds i was you which nerd were you tim i was the I, i'm more of a video game nerd i'll be honest yeah. with that that's true um but I was surrounded by some really great cosplay. Oh, no. The entire time. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, there was um, a team of six guys who were all dressed in, uh, like, Master Chief outfits, like, you know, Halo Spartan armor. Yeah. Of course. But each one was a color of a My Little Pony. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm out. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> have a good night and that's our show so this is a really great this is the really it, great cosplay <laughs> you just don't appreciate good things no that's true i don't I do not no they, they 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 looked really good um they were all just sort of each modeled after um one of the main ponies in the show wow and uh aside from that though they were like really professional like they acted like halo uh spartan fighters and stuff they just were all yeah. modeled after ponies. They even had like mics in their headsets. Oh, what? So that when they talked, it felt, you know. Oh, no. It had that microphone aspect that's to it. crazy. It was great. Yeah, that sounds pretty great. That sounds like a lot of money. That I just imagine them like, <laughs> I just wonder how long it took them to figure out like who got to be who. Oh, well, clearly they had a death match in Halo to figure that out, you know. That's Each probably, pony. I'm, I'm yeah. probably not far off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they probably have yeah. they probably have a set in in Halo, like in their clan. They probably have those colors. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, probably. And then they just picked whichever pony corresponded. Yeah. I don't really know how shooty bang bang games work anymore. <laughs> just the hoofy clop clop games, I guess. Yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> I I've, I've been spending the last minute trying to come up with a good Halo. Slash My Little Pony pun, and I got nothing. There's not much to work with. Like, there's Master Chief and Pony. And horses. And horses. Cortana. You would think. You would think that anything uh, plus Cop horses Tana would help out. Work. Would be would not be too difficult. Cortana. There you go. Cortana. There we go. And Ooh. we're done. We made a pun. Good night, Next everybody. Segment. Next Ooh. segment. <laughs>
Oof. What did you do, Scott? Nothing. <laughs> I sat at home and ate candy and played video games. Oh, oh, did you eat a lot of tasty cake? Uh I ate all those tasty cakes. Are like, you kidding? Very Jeez. soon. Yeah. I just um, realized that I live near you. I visited your place. And I never had any of the tasty cakes. No. Wait, whoa. We should explain because we never actually. We'll, we'll put that in right now. I guess it's probably a good time. And now. Well, we got to introduce it because I don't think we introduced it. No, but a uh, friend of the show, Dr. Blotz, uh, sent us a care package and we opened it the other week. Um, I opened it because he sent it to me. It <laughs> and so I got on. I got on Skype and uh, showed these guys. So um yeah that, i guess that'll go here <laughs> i have a box hey it's a box so do you both know who dr blotz is yeah i've I talked to dr blotz him, yeah. yeah so he sent me this care package uh-huh after i think i think it was after the, the tasty kake incident right so i'm guessing that's what's in here so i really i really hope so so it's either something delicious or something horrible it could be both. Candace, nothing is better for audio than just a door opening and closing five times. Uh, I think you're tearing a uh, you're tearing a box by, uh, a foot away from the mic. I don't think it's a problem. Candace is excited for this box because she thinks that there's tasty cakes in it. She could be right. Yeah. All right, got? let's do it. Show the box. It's anthrax. No. Modulate your voice. It says, oh. you got a little letter. Aww. Oh, it says, I'll put it up on Still Store. Hey, Sky, here's my, what? My Still Store? It's, sure. a, it's an MST3K reference. I was about to say, like, Oof. hey, come on, Cambot. <laughs> yeah. Here's my Mid-Atlantic Maryland care package. It is a long overdue thank you for being on my show a while back. So, Sky, this isn't for you guys. Oh. Forget you. Here's what Jeez. you get. Baltimore Jerks. Orioles Can Cozy. Wow. You know, because you have to represent. Uh, burger cookies burger cookies yeah famous cookies around here it's half icing and half cookies sometimes it's more icing than anything else which what? sounds what, amazing oh that sounds amazing. Absolutely amazing zeke's armistead blend coffee zeke's is a local oh. roast, roast roastery around here <laughs> around the corner from my house they make my favorite coffees and this blend is one of those coffees. Of those coffees. <laughs> it's also their <laughs> flagship blend. Wow. Uh, RC Pod Mug. You so know, that, because you got to represent. <laughs> what? Those, those, uh, those, that coffee is just like exploring the universe for. for so, yeah. a, a, a recursively curious mug. That's pretty awesome. Oh, that yes. Sucks. Yes, that's what yeah. it is. I saw pictures of that. I'm so glad to have one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, tasty Kake, butterscotch crimp. Crimpets and cupcakes. Crimpets? Crimpets? Crumpets, right? It's definitely K-R-I-M-P-E-T-S. That's not a real thing, is it? Tasty Kake isn't. So they are super tasty. (laughs) Duh. I hope they survive the trip. Enjoy, and I hope you are well. Make the other two jealous. What? (laughs) Yep, Dr. Blitz. Oh my gosh. There's a little picture of him. Oh, that's so awesome. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa, with claw fingers, dang. Yep. Look, Candace's Tasty Cakes. Oh, no. There it is. Yeah, That's now you can do, do an AMSR. Yeah. Oh, yes, now we can do an AMSR. 
Here's the crimpets. They are crimpets. They are crimpets. See, Look at that. This company just doesn't know how to spell correctly. <laughs> no, Sky. That that's how you spell cake. Are you ready for this mug? I, w I want to see this mug. Oh my gosh. Man, this is going to be such great audio. Yep. <laughs> These are the spoils for going on a show and talking about racism. Oh, man. Yay. Important topics. Oh, man, guys, we need to get mugs. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> See? Show, show the camera. I'm cool. showing my wife. <laughs> that is really cool. Wow, wow. That is good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, I love mugs. Who doesn't love mugs? And here's this thing. Aw, you're you're big oh, yeah. cozy. Yeah. And tasty cookies. Are you actually an Orioles fan, or is that just a, a thing? I think they're just from Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's from Baltimore. That's really cool. Burgers cookies. There's a little <laughs> grandma on it. She's like, oh hey, I'll lose my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> No, you want to try them. It's just for you. That's beautiful. And then some delicious coffee. Wow, flagship coffee. The kind of coffee Zeke's. you find on a flagship. Zeke's coffee. It's it's a little uh, crab. It's like a with... coffee brick. Yeah. It, yeah, that's that a. That looks really good. Yeah. Oof. How does it smell, Sky? So really, really good. <laughs> Use your other senses to describe what's going on. It smells good and it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> See, the best part of this is in the audio. Notes. We won't know what you're actually doing with that. I feel like I'm in the room there with you, Sky. I'm caressing the coffee right Okay, now. okay, stop. <laughs> Tim, are you actually in the room? You could be. I am not actually in the room, no. <laughs> you could be. I am I am a 20-minute drive away. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad this cozy guy here just in so time you, for winter. If you stall him... I could get there. <laughs> Up in the background on the video. Yeah, and we could we could claim something. That would be amazing. Uh well, that was fun. Thank you, thank you, Doctor Blotz. That's so. Cool I got some you, very Dr. tasty Blatz. things. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I have some tasty cocky to try. Yeah. Oh, man. In man. his defense, the first time I ever saw that, I thought the exact same thing. Tasty cocky. <laughs> See, you guys are meant to be together. <laughs> Butterscotch crimpets. Because you two are a bunch of otaku. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Yeah, kake kikoku. Those are the symbols in Japanese. So it's like, oh, kake, okay. Like, no, not not that thing. Not that thing. Mm. Not not that. Do you want one of these tasty kakes? I want one. Yeah. We should probably nice. eat this on. Glorious crinkle audio. So we were gone this weekend, and it was just sitting there when we got here. And the, the, um, the box was a little battered. So these have been through. So been through they're, they're compact, Kake. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> remember to like touch these to your teeth, like just to. <laughs> oh god! Like a ding mic. dong. Around the mic. It's like a ding dong with no creamy center. It's like a ding dong without cream. <laughs> In which case, what's the point? Aww. <laughs> Is it is still very thoughtful. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's very chocolatey. It's very chocolatey. That's great. It should be choco kake. Nope. Nope. No one would call it that. 
Oh, that's so disgusting. That is the most disgusting sound ever. <laughs> oh, she can hear it from there. Like, no. even on you, also looping through the mic. We don't have it looping through the mic. No, most, mostly just from him right next to me. That's for the best. Yeah, that was neat. It, that Whoa. was fair. I'm wow. sorry you didn't get any of those cakes. Through the magic of radio, and the it's coffee's like very I was good. there right now. I've been, I've been drinking the coffee. It's very tasty. Ah, you're terrible, Sky. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, you, I, I mean, I'm already offended that you didn't immediately mail me some of those anyway. But then, but Tim is right by you. I'm, I'm family. You didn't you come over for a family. long time. I didn't come over for a few days. That's <laughs> how it goes here. He forgot. <laughs> it's like a call of the wild. Yep. All right. Also, well, Kyle, you were you were in Grand Rapids just a little bit ago, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, that's accurate. I was at your house. It's Did, a pretty nice you, place, isn't it? Do you not remember this? No, Scott, I do. Are you okay? I mean, I'm just trying to get. I'm just trying to get your feelings on Grand Rapids. It's pretty cool. Why? Pretty good place. Yeah. I I like Grand Rapids. Maybe like one of the best cities. I wouldn't say that. Oh. Nice. <laughs> so in, in their podcast, it's a pretty cool place. <laughs> in their podcast, uh, you gotta you're supposed to roll with me on this. Oh yeah, it's one of the best. Because on their podcast, sometimes he has his wife on, and at the end of the show, they um, they pick out one of their listeners and uh, and the city that they live in. Like they okay. can see like the city that they're one. You know, each each listener's in. Oh yeah. And then they talk about it. And after one, they were they were like, "Oh, well, you know, like he was like, pick a number between like one and sixteen or something." And she's like, "Oh, four. And he's like, "Grand Rapids." And she's like, "Wow, that sounds terrible." And like they just like ragged on. Let's <laughs> like let's not do Grand Rapids. Yeah, let's not do Grand Rapids. And I tweeted and be like, "That's me. <laughs> That's me listening to your show." <laughs> and it's pretty neat. Aww. And then they talked about it and just hated on it. Oh. So. Grand Rapids isn't isn't that bad. I like it a lot. Isn't actually. that bad? No. Grand Rapids it isn't that bad, says Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I, I like it a lot. Out of the places that we have visited in the last couple of years, it's it's definitely like near the top of the list. That Sweet. and like Chicago. You got to run with dogs. I did get to I, I oh my gosh, yes. We Our, we beat so many dogs too. <laughs> Whoa. Not like not, that. Not like that. Not, not, not you ran busy. faster we, we than the dogs in, in races, and the owners. Yeah. Yeah. Faster than multiple dogs with very short legs. Yes. Oh boy. Yes. The we, faster dogs, however, totally blew past us. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, there we, were some quick I'm dogs. I'm just happy that I can run faster than a corgi. I mean, it's a corgi. But the, really, the skill there is not stopping every 10 seconds going, ah. I'm so glad I just got to sit at a picnic table. You did that and like drink. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty oh, good. Look at them go. That was yeah, a pretty I good remember, experience. I remember when I when I finally crossed the finish line, I was like, where is everyone? Who who are the where are the people that we came with? And then I I, I came around to the food area and then you guys were like Steven's just like there with a beer in his hand, like, okay, all right. <laughs> That's great. Good job, guys. Good, good work. All right. <laughs> nice work with that beer. <laughs> ready to crank this thing up. That's right. It's basically crank. like, and they're off, and they run, went around the bend there. They can't see That's us gone. anymore. Time to get drinks. Where's yeah. the apple? Uh, where's the hard cider? Yeah. Um, dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Ready to get this thing moving? Let's do it. I suppose.
All right. Uh, is it me? It's not me, what? is it? What? Who's hosting? <laughs> I don't remember. No, you know it's, it's me. You oh. you know it's me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> welcome to We Should Know Better after like 15 minutes of banter. Um, I'm Sky. I'm Kyle. And I'm a better sounding Tim. Look at that Whoa. better sounding Tim. It's like Whoa. you're off the phone. Yeah. Oh my god. In the streets. I don't know. It's like it's like I'm 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 out of the field and back in the studio. Back in the studio. Right step here. Step up step up Tim too in the streets. In the streets. Yeah. <laughs> so what we do on this podcast is uh I'm hosting tonight. So these two are going to compete to get from one specific Wikipedia page to another. Uh, only using the links within the pages. I totally forget how to play you guys. Yep, it's been a while. But a while. tonight's game that I have for you is themed. Oh no. Because I can do that sometimes. It's <laughs> it's Ansel Adams to uh, Charlie Chap- Chaplin. Yes. Oh. Charlie Wait, Chaplin. Not, Are you no. sure? I think so. Is that that's his name, right? Yeah, I'm not Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Charles I can Charles tell you've done Chaplin. Your on this one, Scott. Charles. <laughs> We're prepared. We're professionals. Yeah. Okay. So that's where you're going to be going from and to. Um, and in order to determine, <laughs> in order to determine who goes first, um, usually I have some sort of race for you guys to go on. But I don't because I was busy tonight uh, raking leaves. What? <laughs> yep. So instead, so, the the one to correctly guess what kind how, of leaves? how many bags of leaves I raked without oh, going geez. over is going to be the winner. Um, I will give you some facts, and you're gonna you, you guys can te- you can text me, uh, you can IM me in separate Skype uh, this is like things one the of number. Those, like, this is like one of those who sits by who at the table logic puzzles. Right, isn't it? exactly. I'm going so, to, I got to lay out a little grid. Hang on. I was, I am, an, I'd say I'm an average size man. <laughs> I had one of, the, I had a rake. <laughs> my, my wife was raking though. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> so Candace is raking. She is raking with a rake um, yes. that has teeth. That are uh, uh, two feet wide. Okay. Yeah. So like it spans two feet. Um, and I uh, I was raking from about four forty five until <laughs> six ten. Oh man. Okay. Started to get dark. Mm. Now, um, these bags were thirty nine gallon bags. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. That's a strange number. It is a weird number. But I, that's why I, I can remember it. But not Charlie Chaplin. Not Charlie Chaplin. Not Char- Charlie Chaps. Um, and that's pretty much it. I think that's all, you're, <laughs> that's all you have to go on. That was like a weird beat poet uh, math puzzle there. That's yep. that's kind of what was happening. And I feel like, oh. this, I feel like this is fair because <laughs> Tim... Tim was over. Tim, Tim was over yesterday, so he mm. saw the state of of my yard. He he has he has somewhat of an idea. Kyle, yeah. you were in the lawn business, <laughs> so like you you should have a good idea of how this <laughs> sort of thing accurate. goes. Yeah, that is accurate. So I feel like that kind of evens it out. So it's an even <laughs> playing field for you guys. So it's so, a case of street smarts versus book smarts. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. 
So, so my general knowledge of the lawn industry is supposed to tell me, oh, this is how large Sky's yard is, and this is how many bags it takes. Well, in fairness, I think by the time that Tim got here yesterday, it was dark. So oh, <laughs> this is true. So uh, yeah. So just just uh, I am your answers. It, like I said, so uh, just closest. be sure we we are also counting the bags that your wife. My wife was just raking and I was bagging. Oh, so that's okay. Think about that. I was bagging for, and she had already pre-raked some piles yesterday. Mm, so right. I immediately, you know, got to work. So about what an hour and a half ish of of raking and bagging. Mm -hmm. So yeah, closest without going over. All right, the answers are in. So oh, wow, Tim says eight. Kyle says twelve. It was 16 bags, Woo, 16 me. bags of leaves. I was confident that I would get exactly half. <laughs> it's very impressive, though, getting exactly half. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty impressive. I mean, you've got exactly what? One or three, three fourths. Yeah, yeah, I did, too. Yeah. Good so job. basically, you only bag leaves in 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 uh, multiples, multiples of four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did this one time and you guys both picked <laughs> <laughs> multiples of four so i guess it worked out so every time that we know of yes that's true but yeah kyle gets to go first i bet you could have fit them in eight i couldn't have there's a lot of down more yeah oh my gosh i stomped mm -hmm. those things down you grind them up into a fine powder i didn't grind them up yeah well i i mean I, that would have been a fact that i would have given you right well yeah all right charlie chaplin <laughs> no no ansel adams ansel adams What's going on? <laughs> okay. Ansel Adams is a dude. I came to, I came up with this like two weeks ago, guys. <laughs> like, oh good. Give me some give me some slack. So let's 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 dig into this. Uh I I have seen photos that he has taken, but I don't know much about him. Let me look him up. Which I probably should have been doing while we were coming up with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have to give me a second. <laughs> Find a link. Oh, okay. I did not realize he was handsome. Yeah, he's a pretty good looking there. dude. Handsome Adams. Maybe he's just really good at taking pictures of himself, though. Like that's yeah, that's a really good photo of him. Look, he, he was, was born, born in San, San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. And wearing that corduroy jacket. What is that? He was born wearing that corduroy jacket. And yeah. hat. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well. He's got yeah. two websites. AnselAdams.org and AnselAdams.com. Um, he claimed that, man. Yeah. No, if you're going to own it. Uh, Adams was born in the Western edition of San Francisco, California, to distinctly upper-class parents. Why was that not cited? Uh, Charles Hitchcock Adams and Olive Bray Adams. Nope, they don't need to cite it anymore. Those are distinct. <laughs> Olive Bray. Yeah. Olive Right. If they now were if, a phony name. If they were not upper class, <laughs> she would have just like been beaten yeah. down. And, <laughs> yeah. An only just... child, he was named after his uncle Ansel Easton, whose name was a tongue twister. Ansel uh, East <laughs> sells seashells down by the seashore. Um, let's see. He's his family's money came from freight hauling. And oh, but he lost his wealth investing oh. in failed mining and real estate ventures in Nevada. Oh, dang. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, also from a prosperous lumber business, which seems I, I have right here. 
which his father ran, uh, Though later, though his father's natural talents lay more with scientists than business, Ooh. later in life, Adams would condemn the very same industry for cutting down many of the great redwood forests. He's like, taking he pictures could, of, yeah. So I imagine. he was in the great 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Dang. And he managed to get through the first round of it uninjured. And then when he was four at the time, he got tossed face first into a garden wall during an aftershock three hours later. What? Breaking and scarring his nose. Wow. That's rough. That's that's a jerk uh, earthquake. I mean, mm -hmm. like, man, not only could it have been, I, I don't know if it, I, I don't know how many people died in it, but then also broke this kid's nose. Mm-hmm. That's like, uh, I'm not feeling satisfied. <laughs> like, that wasn't enough. Oh, there's that kid over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I feel a little bit better now. <laughs> uh let's see uh he was a hyperactive child and prone to wait hyperactive yes and prone to frequent sickness and hypochondria nice now uh, he had few friends but his family home and surroundings on the heights facing the golden gate proved ample childhood activities oh man although he had no patience for games or sports the curious child took the took to the beauty of nature at an early age Collecting bugs and exploring Lobos Creek all the way to Baker Beach and the sea cliffs leading to Land's End. San I guess you get your face slammed into a garden wall in an earthquake. You get a little bit of a respect for nature. Like, all right, <laughs> fine. I see how it is, nature. Hey, hey, you see this stuff? <laughs> Jeez, nature. Let's look at it a little bit closer. <laughs> you like that? That's nature. <laughs> you got Earth something on your shirt? Nature. Remember it. <laughs> okay. Let's see what else. Um, he, uh, yeah, he had a lot of private tutors, and he had a warm and loving, warm, loving and supportive relationship with his father, but a distant relationship with his mother, who did not approve of his interest in photography, says an article written by his father. Oh, no, okay. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's really convenient. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. Um, oh, that's he like, was a, he played piano? Oh, this is interesting. Of course he did. The high flutin' <laughs> mama's yeah. boy. Daddy's yeah. boy. <laughs> Daddy, mama's boy. Um, yeah, oh, and his, he, and his father gave him, gave him his first camera, a Kodak brownie box camera. Oh, did you guys have you guys ever seen those? The brownie box cameras? I think yeah. so. Like the original brownies. Yeah, uh, we actually, uh, you know, I don't know if it was if it belonged to one of my great grandparents or something, but we there was one in our family for a while. I don't know who has it currently. It's it's actually really cute. <laughs> they, they're adorable little cameras. Yeah. I have a lot of personality. I, I I've never actually used one, though. Oh, man. In 1919, he contracted the Spanish flu during the 1918 flu pandemic. Every awful thing that happened in the early 1900s, he was there. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he was on the Titanic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he was also. <laughs> no, one, no, one, no one argues that. Nope, he was there. Uh, let's see. What did, I want to find out, like, when he actually started taking pictures. Uh, he, watched, he watched Amelia Earhart kill someone on the Titanic. <laughs> Scarred him for life. 
Yes. Uh, let's see. Adams avidly read photography magazines, attended camera club meetings, and went to photography and art exhibits. Of course he did. You seem to always like it. With retired geologist and amateur ornithologist uh, Francis Holman, whom he called Uncle Frank, he explored the High Sierra in summer and winter, developing the stamina and skill needed to photograph at high elevation under difficult weather conditions. Jeez. Oh, and he continued to work the rest of the, the, rest of the time uh, to improve his piano playing, expanding his piano technique and musical expression. He also gave piano lessons for extra income, finally affording a grand piano suitable to his musical ambitions. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, this, this is... Oh, my gosh. No, no, it gets better. It gets better. Uh, let's see. His first photographs were published, blah, blah, blah. His early photos already showed careful composition and sensitivity to tonal balance, and then beyond here. At this point, however, Adams was still planning a career in music, although his small, or even though his small hands easily bruised during the <laughs> <era of> playing, <laughs> limited his repertoire to practiced works, which benefited from his strengths of touch and musicality. Oh, oh my oh, word. Wow. Plus, every so often, a, an earthquake would just shove him into the piano. <laughs> <laughs> Slam the cover down on his head. Jeez. Bullied by nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Till the end of his days. Uh, so, yeah, so go how on. Would, how would you respond if you happen to know that your art would be in the waiting room of every dentist's office <laughs> long after you were gone? Whoa, this is a little bit above dentist's office, I think. This is like... <laughs> At like, least psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah this is definitely more psychiatrist level. Yeah, I think I think we've moved beyond that. I do. You, can you guys actually uh, recognize his work? Yeah, like, is this something that you think you can recognize off off the off the off the cuff? I guess we did a little bit on him in my photography class in college, so it's yeah. You can kind of once yeah. you see a bunch of them, you can kind of picture. <laughs> you can kind of yeah, pick them out. I guess I would say. He has all this black and white work, but it, it always seems to have a lot of depth yeah. to it. I guess that's, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It is beautiful. I, I will say that. Like, it feels very vast. Mm-hmm. And it feels like there's a story in, in them, at least. Uh, but I, I can't say that I know too much about his his actual uh, photography. Yeah, he said something. I just read it in here, and he basically said, like, to students that uh, photography is like the hardest form of art to make oh. a masterpiece in. Like, it's just well, it's just the hardest. <laughs> okay, okay, Adams. I'm sure that you have tried all of the arts, and definitely okay. Yeah, that that's probably okay. Possible sorry, for him. no, I mis I misquoted. It is easy to take a photograph, but it is harder to make a masterpiece in photography than any there, other art me- medium. That feel oh well, still a little bit, <laughs> but even so, that's that's better. That's much better. Yeah. Uh, here's a good quote: uh, Art critic John Zerkowski wrote, "Ansel Adams attuned himself more precisely than any photographer before him to a visual understanding of the specific quality of the light that fell on a specific place at a specific moment." Mm. For Adams, the natural landscape is not a fixed and solid sculpture but an insubstantial image as transient as the light that continually redefines it. Dang. Have you guys ever taken black and white photographs like that? You, you tried to do like artsy fartsy. I did in college. Yeah. Only uh, only in college. Yeah. It's really hard. (laughs) I'll be honest. The image that I got the most like depth and play of light on. Yeah. 
was a photo of a hot dog roller I took at a convenience store. That's outside amazing. my college. I, a hot I'm, dog roll? Oh, okay. I know yeah, you know about. those things that keep the hot dogs like warm, but also yeah. moving so they don't like burst into flames. Yeah. No, Sky, you you know the traditional the traditional occupation it uh, was, for small children, the hot dog roller. It was like, so good. My teacher kept it for a gallery. That's what? amazing. That's so cool. Wow. Do you still well have done. this picture somewhere? I, like I a don't copy know. of it. Well, Tim. I'm not sure I do, unfortunately. Oh no. If I do, my mom has it. <laughs> she keeps everything I do. That's anyway, it's fair. really it's really hard to get like a good photograph of, of landscape, especially with all that lighting. Yeah. Yeah. When you don't have like you know, an LCD that's showing you exactly what you're taking a picture of. <laughs> that is fair. Like, and like, think about it. The places he took a picture of, like he's out in the elements, like, you know, he's probably journeyed out into that national park and then has to go somewhere to get it processed with his piano bruised hands, right? His piano bruised hands. <laughs> Every trip, just earthquakes tripping him up. Yeah. All the whole time. Uh, so yeah, it would be a pain in the butt to, to try to get those, correct and like how much stress i guess walking back you're just like i hope i, I got that i really <laughs> hope i got that because <laughs> i mean not only do you have to be in the right spot but for him especially you had to have the light like right in the right spot and, and just... you had to have all the settings correct in your mm -hmm. camera and, and know enough know what those settings needed to be yeah it was Crazy. much more of a like a very specific science uh back at the time too um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, as far as like, yeah, especially those settings, like the slightest problem would would make it a much different uh, photo. So, yeah. Uh, did you guys know that? I, I didn't know this. That uh, he, uh, It says here, Adams was distressed by the Japanese-American internment that occurred after the Pearl Harbor attack. Mm -hmm. um, he requested permission to visit the Manzanar, I'm going to guess, or relocation center in the Owens Valley at the foot of Mount Williamson, <clears throat> The resulting photo essay first appeared in a Museum of Modern Art exhibit and later was published as Born Free uh, and Equal, the story of loyal Japanese Americans. And it's, I guess, a bunch of these photos of Japanese Americans that are in, uh, in these camps at that time. Man, that had to be mm -hmm. how much how much I like you had to have serious guts at that time. He seemed to. to yeah, he seemed to oh, be pretty man. brave and like for, you know, a, a weak fingered. You know, daddy's boy like to <laughs> weak fingered earthquake victim yeah to be, i mean if you can survive an earthquake knocking you around you know yes he yeah. out of his way for good causes says That's he also contributed easy. to the war effort by doing many photographic assignments for the military including making prints of secret japanese installations what yeah <laughs> what are you serious sweet i didn't know yep. that oh man that that is pretty cool. Oh oh oh, oh this is interesting. Uh, he did actually shoot color film though. I didn't. I actually did not know that. Uh, it says Adams did not work exclusively in black and white. He also experimented with color, but only you know, <laughs> only a couple times. Only in college, I guess. <laughs> uh, he said there are two main reasons uh, why Adams preferred black and white. The first was that he felt color could be distracting and therefore could divert an artist's attention away from achieving his full potential. Oh, sure. <laughs> Adams actually claimed that he could get, quote, a far greater sense of, quote, color 
through a well-planned and executed black and white image than he had ever achieved with color photography, end quote, and cited. Yeah, color's pretty cool, but it's not as cool as the thing I spent my life perfecting. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) He liked it before it was color. Please just imagine the colors in this if you want. Mm. (laughs) You know, okay. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Ansel Adams. Well, Uh, okay. (laughs) Because of his love for control, Adams disliked color since it lacked this element that he had mastered with black and white. There you go. There you go. Um, That's what it comes down to. So you got an idea of where you're going to go? There's a lot of links on here. I just want to stay here and look at this guy's beard for a, a little while. I was pretty long, generous honestly. with the It's length. an amazing beard. It's it's pretty good. I I am <laughs> What? No, I I I have a beard and I wish my beard looked that It's cool. as good a beard as Grand Rapids is a city. That, yep. <laughs> that's uh that is the beard of a person who who has to go climbing mountains to take photos. That's exactly what that is. Well, all right. So, Charlie Chaplin, I I could go a bunch of different ways, but I feel like, and stick with me on this. I'm actually going to click on the American West, I think, at the top. Uh, he was an American photographer, environmentalist. His black and white landscape photographs of the American West linked. So American uh, I, West. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to click that. I know that the, the, the first instinct would go for black and white, but I feel like that's going to be a longer trek to get there. I, I know... Chaplin has to have done at least a couple uh, movies that were done about the West. So I'm going with that. All right. Okay. Um, I am going a different kind of route. Uh, Adam's photograph, the Tetons and the Snake River, was one of the 115 images recorded on the Voyager Golden Record aboard the Voyager spacecraft. What? So I'm going to hope that there's some of the other images there might have something to do with performing. What? Tim, that's brilliant. Which, where are you going? The Voyager Golden Record. I am so proud oh. of you. Well done. Oh, man. Sky, this is not where you, you guys, you were totally way off. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Charlie, if Charlie Chaplin was on the Voyager Golden Record. Does <laughs> uh, Sagan really like Charlie Chaplin? We'll have to, we'll have to find out. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I, yeah. I would love to know. I would love to find out that Carl Sagan was like secretly really into Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like three fourths of the record is just films of Charlie Chaplin. Yes. Aliens are going to love this. <laughs> okay. So the Western United States <laughs> is apparently a very specific set of states. I did not realize this. Um, the Western United States, commonly referred they're, to as the they're the West ones, Kyle. I know that, but no, no, no. They have a very distinct line on this map. I'll here. I'll show you. Yeah, I see that map. I'm there. Oh well, you are. You can sure. show. You can show Tim. I'm going to show Tim, so Tim can at least agree with me. Geez, there's just a straight line, except for oh no, which one is that? Um, that is you. No, no, that's not Utah. That's not oh, Colorado, no. is it? Colorado, it's Colorado. Colorado. It's Colorado, thank you. Colorado's oh, peeking out. I don't know oh, about geography. We're so bad at this, you guys. Ah, oh, Cameron San Diego got away. Anyway, um, so yeah, yeah, except for that, it's just a straight line all the way down. Does not, oh, and the one that you'd expect it to, it does not include Texas <laughs> somehow. Hmm. I don't really expect Texas to be in the West. What? No, it's How south. Did, 
but it's the west like the west like i imagine texas is part of the the west personally okay i mean there's the difference between west and wild west well i suppose that's true anyway um let's see uh because european settlement in the u.s expanded westward after its founding meaning of the west has evolved over time prior to about 1800 the crest of the Appalachian Mountains was seen as the western frontier. What? Really? That makes sense. Yeah. West that, has got to start somewhere. West that's, is relative. That's me. That's 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 where I that's crazy. I'm not in the West. That's not silly. anymore. Oh, uh, come on, 1800s people, you're silly. Oh wow. Okay. Way to be like timist. <laughs> Chronolist. <laughs> Chronoist. Yeah, there you go. Chronoist. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, the Western United States is the largest region of the country, covering covering more than half the land area of the United States. Not Texas, though. It is also the most geographically diverse, incorporating geographic region, regions such as the Pacific Coast, temperate rainforests of the Northwest, the highest mountain ranges, the Great Plains, and all of the desert areas located in the United States. I I guess that's true. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. There are some very cool places out west. Uh, let's see. Oh, they even have subregions. Uh, specifically, the mountain states, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Idaho, Utah, Arizona, and Nevada. And then the, and then the Pacific states, which I almost just read as the specific states. Which, specific uh, ones. Yeah, specifically the Pacific ones. Washington, Oregon, California, Alaska, and Hawaii. Wait, Hawaii? Okay, it's like the most sure. specific. <laughs> I guess. It's the I most specifically a... Pacific state. <laughs> yeah, that's actually their new slogan. Specifically Pacific. Hawaii, specifically specific. <laughs> it hasn't caught on. No, it's going to take a little while. Um. All right, Uh. let's see. Uh, other information about the West. Uh, let's see. It has... What else is out there? What else is out there? There's the Rocky Mountains. It's, it's interesting that the map that they show includes Hawaii and Alaska. Yeah, I'm weirded out by that. Like, I I guess, yeah, technically speaking, they are West. They just be the hangers on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the hey guys, we're West too. Yeah, you just, you just keep having fun over there, Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah, I'm Please sure insert Hawaii... us into the map. Thanks. <laughs> Please, Kay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Hawaii would be more than happy to not be part of that map. I bet, uh, at least at the time, uh, especially when they when they were brought in. But uh, let's see here. They have um, uh, drought is much more common in the West than the rest of the United States. No kidding. The driest place recorded in the U.S. is what is it, you guys? Driest? Uh, Death Valley in California. Correct. Uh, which they are having just continues to be incredibly dry uh, thanks to four years of the worst drought that California has ever seen, which I just saw close. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Con uh, specifically, they don't uh, serve you water in, in restaurants anymore. That's that's what most of the people do. Wow. Like for free? Like, like you, you have to no, you have to ask for it specific, like go up like and say like, hey, and I would like a water. Oh, OK, and it's free. Well, yeah, yes, but okay. they they you you do have to directly ask for it. Gotcha. And they glare at you as you drink it. 
They kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> they just start like salivating a little bit. Like, well, oh, that like, water. As soon as I got there, it was it was very weird because as soon as I got there, I started realizing that like, oh, like this is a very dry area right now. And um, right. Everyone was thrilled because it had literally uh, just that day rained for the first time in a, in several months. Mm, wow. And everyone was like, oh, it rained. You know, like people were talking about it. Like I overheard people talking about it, like being excited about it. Like, OK, well, it, it was literally all my taxi driver talked about other than please use uh, use your GPS, you know, in the backseat. Mm-hmm. Uh, to check where drivers go it was that and and how much it had rained in the last day and he was so excited so yeah it's a big deal out there it's a dry place yeah it's a rocky uh, place <laughs> yes <laughs> also that i mean i bet there are lots of other adjectives for it too oh hollywood's there <laughs> look at this there's a photo of the hollywood sign yep that's weird well it's part of it oh also the grand canyon i mean you know yeah okay so where do you think you're gonna go from here uh well this isn't what i thought it was going to be when i clicked on it i thought it was going to be about westerns so i'm gonna click back you thought it was gonna be about westerns i yeah i I get why you're confused i was confused okay um i'm going to click uh let's see Uh, the only thing that happens in the west united states is western movies Yes, and so I'm going to click Western as a genre. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, don't actually read this page, though, Sky. I think I might do a quiz. This is hilarious. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, don't, don't actually read this page, Sky. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with this quick while you okay. go. Okay. Whatever, whatever Tim's doing, I forget already. Tim, the Voyager Golden Record. Voyager Golden Record. So in oh, 1977... Uh, NASA was going to launch the Voyager spacecraft out into space. I hope no so. <laughs> particular direction, just fling it out there. Fling it out there, as NASA does. <laughs> and Carl Sagan and some other people are like, "Hey, while we're doing this, let's put let's some put records, some sick beats on that, some let's sick make- beats, and some records of humanity of our life. So if aliens ever let's cruise put by naked and pick pictures up, of humans on it, yeah, let's make a mixtape for space. So yeah, if if other life finds it, they might be able to figure out, you know, a little bit about us. Yep. So it's like the first, <laughs> um, the first like match.com profile going out into space. The planets. Hello, we are humans. Likes long so, walks in the Milky Way. Uh, so it says left. There were, there were two Voyager spacecraft. Uh, this is on Voyager one, I believe. Uh, so neither spacecraft is, or maybe it's on both. Oh man. Oh, yes, it was on, it's on both spacecraft that were launched. So they're both going, who knows? Uh, it says neither is going toward any particular star, but Voyager 1 will pass within 1.6 light years of the star Jalice 445, currently in the constellation Camelopardalis. That is totally what they were aiming what for. What constellation is that? I have no idea. No idea. It is um, constellation. Tell me what it is. No. Oh, it's a giraffe. <laughs> Whoa, what? There's a giraffe constellation? There a giraffe yes. constellation? Back up. Tell me all about this. What is <laughs> Camelot? It doesn't even tell you in the first paragraph what it's supposed to be. It, Tim, it says it right at the top. Camelopardalis is, or the giraffe constellation. Oh, yeah, there you go. You mean you mean the words the giraffe in bold? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 
I'm sorry, I have trouble reading bold. <laughs> Constellation was introduced in 1612 or 1613, we don't know, by Petrus Plancius. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Whoa, so that <laughs> uh, nope, hold on. I have to, I'm, one more second. Uh, the fir first attested in English in 1785, the word pardalis comes from Latin and is the romanization of the Greek, long Greek word, meaning giraffe, from camelo and pardalis, which is leopard. So it's a camel leopard. Specific that totally makes sense. That's what they call the giraffe back then. That's, that's awesome. amazing. <laughs> you, know, you know what's outstanding about that animal? It's spots. Yeah, it's got spots and a neck like a camel. What are we going to call it? Yeah. Camel leopard. Camel leopard. <laughs> oh, it's, it gets better. Rear, rear. <laughs> Hold on. Is that the sound? <laughs> Is that the sound of the camel leopard? It's the sound of, yeah. The cry of the camel leopard. <laughs> the it's revving up. Camel leopard. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds more like the flop house house cat, but yeah. Check out this picture, you guys. Oh, man, this is so great. It's running with a tiny reindeer on its back and a giant man with a with the, uh, uh, a like sickle. a shepherd's crook. What? This, shepherd's crook and a sickle, yeah. This is so great. And look at this. This constellation is the best because it has a bunch of, you know, it follows the shape of the camel leopard. But then also at the front of it, there's just like five stars that don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you extend that leg? What's nope. wrong yeah. with you? Got to rear up. Got to look majestic. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Oh, man. He, uh. Johann Hevelius gave it the official name of Camelopardus. Camelopardus. There we are. Uh, because he saw the constellation's many faint stars as the spots of a giraffe. He didn't even think it looked like a giraffe. Wow. Ah, uh, sorry. He All right. Tim, continue. This is this is so great. <laughs> so what is on the Voyager Golden Records? What I have would you put it. on the records? Well, if... I know that there are depictions of, like, the human body. Because you just want to look at those nudes. A male and female. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's, like, there's, like, something, like, like, a depiction of, like, the the spectrum or something that we can see, maybe. Something like that. I'm, I'm um, sorry. I believe I'm you're correct. Like, there's what a lot you... of different... Stop looking at the camel leopard, Kyle. Falling down this hole of... of we are trying... Stuff. No. To do Tim, serious business. I just found a page called the Purple Forbidden Enclosure about space. Come off. What do you this is has nothing to do with I okay. don't care. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> Tim. Uh it's also got like oh, it's like binary. Um, like they, they made like they used binary or something to to describe the like the, the size of humans and there's also a depiction of like a molecule on it. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Going back, uh, <laughs> pictures of naked people. Yeah, actually, not on the records. There's what? depictions of them. N no. Well, there's a sil there's silhouette. Yeah, them. yeah, that's what I meant. The sorry. original, the original, uh, there used to be a line drawing of a naked of naked women. <laughs> I'm getting flustered. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. There were. 
line drawings of naked humans on a plaque that was on the Pioneer. That's what it was. Oh, okay. But then oh, NASA that- received criticism because it was the 70s and people are ashamed of their own bodies. Oh, my right. gosh. So because they received criticism, uh, the agency chose not to allow Sagan and his colleagues to include a photograph of a nude man and woman on the record. Instead, only a silhouette of the couple was included. However, the record does contain a, quote, diagram of vertebrate evolution, unquote, by John Lomberg, with drawings of an anatomically correct naked male and naked female showing external organs. Good job getting it in there. Nice. Get that built in. There's also a bunch of music on there, isn't there? Yeah. There is music um, featuring it's, artists. Is Miles, as, Dave, it, Miles Davis is one of them, right? I or am don't I see it on here. There's Bach, Mozart, Beethoven, Stravinsky, Guan Pingu, Blind oh, Willie Johnson, oh. Chuck Berry. Oh, there we go. Uh, Kasarbal Kirkar and Valaya Balkanska. Well, I think we just found Sagan's um, playlist. Carl Sagan suggested that the Beatles song Here Comes the Sun be included on the record, but the record company EMI that held the copyrights to the song declined to to copyright concerns. What? Wow. They don't want no aliens snaking <clears throat> that music for free. They're like, well, you know, we, we need to get paid for that, you know. Every time they listen to it, that's that's a couple cents that we could be making. So actually, that is a that's like a short novel. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. It's like it's like uh, Alien Nester or something. Where like, oh no, where uh, aliens make contact with us and they're really into our music that like we've been beaming out on the on the radio. Oh, right, right. And they've been using it. You know, like I don't know. I don't. I think they've been like selling recordings or something. And like. The music artists like come after the aliens. There's like a whole actual like novel <laughs> written that, about that, it. That sounds right, but uh, just just for the sake of argument, uh, you know what? I'm not even gonna. I'm um, actually it. Uh, there's there's a there's a podcast called The Infinite Monkey Cage, and they actually talk about this, and it's an interesting discussion. And that yeah, about radio waves in space. Cool. That yeah. So you here's a picture of people eating. This is disgusting. Every part of this is just yeah. Oh. Included among the photos on the record is um, a picture of three seventies dudes um, showing the various ways that humans eat, including chomping, I don't uh, eat any drinking, of those ways. and licking. I do not eat any of those ways. You you lick an ice cream cone like well maybe not that. No, dramatic. I don't. No, I don't because I'm lactose intolerant, Tim. These these people are definitely enjoying their food. What's happened? Why is okay? I'm calling foul on this guy with the grilled cheese because who takes a bite out of one end of the grilled cheese is like no. Well, you, you know it's what? showing the aliens what it looks like after you take a bite. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, come- they might just think that you're that he's just sticking it in his mouth and like absorbing it or breaking it down <laughs> like a fly or something. You gotta show that no, you're chomping that thing. Aliens are going to be like when That's they when they finally show do. up. Yeah, they're all going to do that when we offer them grilled cheese. They're going to be like, "Oh, let us eat in the traditional human manner and take one bite out of each side." <laughs> yeah, just like so just like Kyle, not knowing how to use a spoon. That's right. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. Actually, <laughs> that's a good description. Thank you. I mean, just the fact that we we put all this stuff on here, having no clue whether even if someone else does pick this up, which the chances are that are really small you mean the chances of firing a record out into space and it landing in a place and them having 
the ability to actually uh, listen to that record. Yeah, and the capability to understand it. Yeah, all of those things coming together, you, that 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 level of impossible, is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. But isn't the fact that we can do it awesome? <laughs> pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, where are you going to go from here? Um, so, unfortunately, Charlie Chaplin uh, is not on the Voyager record, apparently. Wow. Um, so I'm going to try going entertainment-ish route. In a Saturday Night Live segment, uh, oh, no. Steve Martin's character, a psychic named Kokua, predicts that the cover of Time Magazine for the upcoming week will show the four words, Send More Chuck Berry, <laughs> which had supposedly been sent from extraterrestrials to Earth the week before. I'm going to go with Steve Martin. That's pretty hilarious. Steve Martin. Yeah, he is an actor. He's he's a guy. He's an actor. He's a comedic actor. Yeah, that's true. And a musician. And classy, yes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, most of the time. Got yes. all that blue rat. He's become classier and I would agree, yes. In his age, yeah. Okay. Uh well, let's go to Western as a genre. Uh so Westerns. Uh, the Western is a genre of various arts, such as comics, fiction, film, blah, 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 devoted uh, to telling stories set primarily in the later half of the 19th century in the American Old West, hence the name. There's no dusty. citation there. What's that? <laughs> Everything's dusty. Yeah, there's no citation there, so I guess we're going to have to just take that at its at face value. That's what we do here every week, every other <laughs> week, every three yeah, weeks. Most of the weeks. Um, let's see. Uh the Western was the most popular Hollywood genre from the early 20th century to the 1960s. So uh, let's let's take a second and talk about Westerns. Don't actually scroll down there uh, because there are a lot of types of Westerns, you guys. Yeah. I didn't know there were so many weird types of Westerns. They have lots of weird names. Let's do a quick quiz. And okay. you guys, I'm going to tell you the name of a genre of Western. And you guys get to tell me if it's a real one or one I just made up. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so let's start with the uh, with the well. The, you guys have heard of the spaghetti western. Yeah. Delicious. Yes. Well, what about the meat pie western? Uh you're gonna say that's true. Yeah, me too. Because I think you'd come up with a better food than meat pie. Uh, it is real. Yes. Good job. What is a meat pie Western? I don't know. I just saw the name. Does it tell you? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, they go down and we'll actually we'll talk about a couple of them. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, how about the uh, the paperback Western? Paperback uh, Western. No. I wanted to say yes. Uh, it is not. I just made that one. Oh, it should be. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh acid western acid acid, acid, acid western? western that's what it says so yeah. sounds like a hunter s thompson yeah it's point. all the, it's all the westerns made in like the 70s yeah the 60s yeah 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 <laughs> okay, yes. okay guys yes <laughs> it is it's a real one yay uh how about the croissant western it's like it, it's <laughs> <laughs> the croissant. <laughs> Too many yeah. foods. No, this can't be one. You shall meet at the high noon. I know how you like the French. <laughs> well, if the Italians can have one, the French can have one too. I, I'm going to say no. You are correct. It is not. Yay. It's not <laughs> I wish it was, though. Uh, how about the Northwestern? The Northwestern? Uh, yeah. So, like, 
like a Portlandy-ish Western <laughs> for hipsters. Yeah, you just have, uh, you have birds oh, on the on the hats. Fred yeah, Armisen. Yeah, <laughs> everyone listening. Everyone's sitting around listening to NPR, trying to be Gary Cooper. Oh, that would be so great. Actually, I kind of want to watch that. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, say no. I will say yes. It's a real genre of Western. What is it? Well, I, I'm guessing Western's about the Northwest. Um, let's go with, oh, here's another one. Uh, how about the Curry Western? The Curry Western? Yes. Curry, like an Indian Western? Uh, I yeah, I, I want to say yes. I want to say yes, that. too, like Bollywood Westerns. Uh, it is, in fact, a real Western. Yes. yes. See, the French just wouldn't make, the French would, like, turn their noses up. <laughs> like the western genre yes. but the indian like the indian culture would be into it and the oh. the italian you know they're, they're i could see it i could see it how about the baseball western <laughs> I, hope, uh, I want it to be so bad no but no no it's not although <laughs> i agree i really think that would be amazing that would be amazing uh how about uh oh the syrup western the syrup western is that a canadian western is canadian yeah I want to say yes. Like, yes. Yeah. No, I made that up. Oh, oh but that was, that's know. a good one. Uh, how about the Florida Western? So this town, <laughs> this town like a, is like big a, enough for the two of us, eh? Like a panhandle Western. <laughs> this town is this is a small world after all. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about the Canadian, the Syrup Western. I'm behind you. Oh yeah. This town's big enough for the both of us. <laughs> eh? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh you still haven't answered on Florida Western. Florida West. Florida no. Western? No. <laughs> oh yes. Just to be different. No. It's a real Western, you guys. Oh. What what is a Florida Western? I don't know. We should they be all right. <sighs> oh, now I really want that to be true. Um, okay. And let's see. Let's go two more. We're gonna go with the cave western. Uh, no, cave no. western. No. <laughs> no, that that yes, that that was me. And then the uh, let's see which one. How about the space western? Uh, yes. I want that. It's gotta be like I feel like that's like uh. Yeah, I feel like I've seen those. See you, Space Cowboy. You space have, guy. in fact, and it's a real thing. I, I say I, I use Space Western rather than all the other ones because there are like five different types of genres for Western set in space. Wow. They have science fiction Westerns, Space Westerns, weird Westerns, uh, fantasy. Like they, they, they just continue to come up with, oh, an opera, like Space Opera Western, like Space opera western. Yeah. There's a lot of different like people are just really into taking the western and putting it into space. Mm. That's not uh, ones I didn't use. <clears throat> uh, horror western, martial arts western. These are all real. These are all real. Uh, pornographic western, which Ugh. that listed in there as a viable western. Revisionist western. Uh, weird western, and then uh, western satire which I, I like that that was its own thing. Um, right. There's something here called the Austern as well, which was made 
that one I did look up. Uh, hang on a second. I got to talk about this quick. Austerns, known as the Red Westerns, which is racist, are produced in mm. Eastern Europe. They were popular in communist Eastern European countries and were a particular favor of Joseph Stalin, usually portraying American Indians as our sympathetic oppressed people fighting for their rights. Uh, so, yeah. Austerns frequently featured gypsies or Turkic Turkic people in the role of the Indians due to the shortage of authentic Indians in, in Eastern Europe. Hmm. Yeah, that's problematic. Tim, we were right about acid westerns. It's it's uh, it looks like it's a 1960s and 70s genre. Yep. Oh, here we are. And like uh, Scooby Doo, whenever they're in a western town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, the meat pie western is an American western style or movie series. Uh, oh, set in Australia. Oh, that makes sense. That does actually make sense. Curry westerns are from India, of course. Nice. I really feel like we could have done an entire quiz just based on the food ones. Florida westerns, also known as cracker westerns, are set in Florida during the Second Simul- Sem- Seminole War. Seminole, Seminole, Seminole. War. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess that would be yes. Mm. Uh, I mean, martial the, arts is pretty. I mean, that was straightforward. Yeah. The most uh, rare of the western subgenres is the pornographic western. The most rare. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they treat it like a, you know, like a species of animal, like the, the, the rare. Only, the only thing I can think of is um, that old Atari game. Yeah, no, we the know. Custer's know. last. Yeah, that's all I can think of. And I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of glad that's all I can think of. Guess yeah. what? When I think of pornographic it's, Westerns. it's linked here. <laughs> oh, yay. Oh, we could go there. I don't want to. Not no going to. Need. Weird <laughs> Western is like steampunk stuff. Jonah Hex. Uh, Firefly, I guess, technically counts here. I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It also mentions Western satire. Uh, it, me- it mentions uh, Blazing Saddles, which is oh. a movie I don't think I've seen still. Really? But oh, really? But like oh, some cool. people cite it as like their favorite like comedic movie. It's good. I don't know if I know like, that far, but it's really yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah, I need to see it. <laughs> it's got a lot of lines quoted to you by college kids. <laughs> uh, Seven Samurai is cited uh, as an example of a film that does not take place in the American West, but has many of the themes and characteristics. It really does. Yeah, it's totally like it. Uh, oh, it's so good, too. Yeah. Uh, I want to watch it again now. Well, we've got a lot of stuff here. What? Uh... So Tim kind of drew on one of the things I was thinking, actually. I am going to try to run alongside him. Okay. Uh, I'm going to Western Satire here, and I'm going to pick a movie that that steve martin was in the hey no you can't do that doing was it he now. in blazing saddles too no oh really i know no. what he's talking about oh because i i guess i thought that blazing saddles was the three amigos no. <laughs> what's blazing blazing saddles is the mel brooks right yes yes with, with gene wilder yes okay this is the hand i shoot with yes and then okay and then it's yeah okay no this is the one that I want to see is uh is uh Three Amigos they're both good movies I oh, mean yeah Tim and again an aside I guess uh Tim does your does your whole uh run hinge on Three Amigos no oh okay then I don't I don't think so the one thing I'm I've already seen I'm picking next is not that. Okay, that's that's fine then. I, I just didn't want to step on where you were going. 
All right, so you got three amigos. It's the classic three amigos Charlie Chaplin connection. All right. This is amazing. It's so obvious. (laughs) I like that we got there through space and westerns. (laughs) Okay, Tim, tell us about that guy who's in the movie that I just picked. Yeah, Steve Martin. Comedic actor and bluegrass player. How old is he? Oh, no. Uh, Maybe what, like... Uh, uh, seventy-five. Oh, you're close. He's seventy. What? What? Really? Yep, he's seventy years old. When did he up go there. great? Like at twenty years old? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's amazing. Like so, I, I've never seen him not gray. I'm sorry. That's it. Okay. Uh, how would you describe his brand of humor? Um, absurd. Yeah, I think absurdist would be exactly the way I'd go. So in the article here, uh, he's, it says he was inspired by his philosophy classes. What? Uh, Martin considered becoming a professor instead of an actor-comedian. His time at college changed his life. Uh, long quote <laughs> coming up here. Uh, it changed what I believe and what I think about everything. I majored in philosophy. Something about non-sequiturs appealed to me. In philosophy, I started studying logic, and they were talking about cause and effect, and you start to realize, hey... There is no cause and effect. There is no logic. There's no anything. And then it gets real easy to write this stuff because all you have to do is twist everything hard. You twist the punchline, you twist the non sequitur so hard away from the thing that set it up. Uh, Martin recalls wondering in a psychology class, what if there were no punchlines? What if there were no indicators? What if I created tension and never released it? What if I headed for a climax, but all I delivered was an anticlimax? What would the audience do with all that tension? Theoretically, it would have to come out sometime. But if I kept denying them the formality of a punchline, the audience would eventually pick their own place to laugh, essentially out of desperation. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. That is such like a calculated. Yeah. Like you would. I would never expect that from his humor. But like so, thinking back now, it's like kind of like, yeah. So, so first, uh, I, I have to say, like, I can hear his voice totally in that quote. Like I heard that in his voice like i can totally it's it's exactly the way he would describe it i think and 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 second that's nuts mm-hmm. <laughs> uh that that's really really crazy i it's interesting that he takes like a postmodernist approach to mm-hmm. comedy yeah like i mean of course there's cause and effect i mean th- and things have consequences yeah. but um, oh my gosh yeah but a lot of his humor is just like stuff just happens like yes for no reason. Um, Martin periodically spoofed his philosophy studies in his 1970 stand-up act, comparing it with studying geology. Uh, if you're studying geology, which is all facts, as soon as you get out of school, you forget it all. But philosophy, <laughs> you remember just enough to screw you up for the rest of your life. There you go. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Oh, there's Yeah, there is so much on Steve Martin in this article. Um, in 2010, uh, so it seems nowadays he mostly... Like, he still does a few movies now and then. Mm-hmm. But, like, whenever he's on a show or something, it seems to be for his bluegrass. Right. Yeah. Uh, in 2010, uh, he created the Steve Martin Prize for Excellence in Banjo and Bluegrass, an award established to reward artistry and bring greater visibility to bluegrass performers. Uh, prize includes $50,000 in cash, a bronze sculpture, and a chance to perform with Martin on Late Show with David Letterman, which, of course... It's not on anymore. I wonder if that's going to be continued with Stephen Colbert. I wonder. If I was Stephen Colbert, I'd definitely bring him on. Uh, Martin suffers from uh, tinnitus. 
Is that how you pronounce it? Tinnitus. Tinnitus. Tinnitus, Thank you. Ringing in the ears, which is a symptom of hearing loss. He got it while filming a scene in the film. The Three Amigos. Yes, it was a pistol shooting scene. Oh, no kidding. Yep. He has been quoted as saying, you just get used to it or you go insane. Oh, yeah, wow. actually, I, I know someone who suffers from mildly, mildly suffers from tinnitus. And he he says that, yeah, you basically either just forget it's there occasionally and then and then it just reminds you as soon as it gets quiet again or it will just drive you nuts. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know someone, too. Wow. Uh, um, I didn't realize so, he wrote the jerk. That's crazy. He did? Oh, yeah, it says yes, that, he did. It says that here that he wrote it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so where where are you thinking? I um amazingly a lot of actor stuff on here. Amazing. Yeah, but it's not even an actor I'm going to. Uh there's someone on this page that was actually um I know a friend of Charlie Chaplin. What? What? Charlie Chaplin yes. didn't have friends. He did have friends. He had famous <laughs> friends. Yeah, he had a lot of friends. Um, in 1993, <laughs> Martin wrote his first full-length play, Picasso, at the Lapin Agile. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. no, that's not even it. Oh, okay. You're thinking it's Picasso, and it's not. It's yeah, the first just, reading yeah. of the play took place in Beverly Hills, California, at Steve Martin's home, with Tom Hanks reading the role of Pablo Picasso what? and Chris Sarandon reading the role of Albert Einstein. Oh, no. Albert Einstein is where I'm going. That's incredible. I the thing is, like, I could totally see Picasso and and Picasso was friends along. with everybody. Yeah. Oh, I totally could see that too. Yeah. Yeah. He's all over the place. <laughs> That's amazing, though. All right. Well, let's <clears throat> let's do a deep dive then on uh, <laughs> off of off of Steve Martin into the Three Amigos. Wow, this is so weird. <laughs> this is very weird. I've no, I I don't know what to do with this. So Three Amigos starred Steve Martin. It, oh, I it thought was you were going to do him. the rest of them. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, Star Steve well I was going to, and then I was like, wait, this isn't, this isn't who it stars. <laughs> Star Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short. But it was written by Laureen Michaels, Steve Martin, no, and no, Randy no, no, Newman. No, no, not Lauren. Not Lauren. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, it's okay. Lauren Michaels is the... Randy Newman? Randy... What? <laughs> Randy Newman wrote what? The Three Amigos. What are you doing? Are you okay? It's Randy Newman. I know who Randy Newman is. <laughs> Are oh you my okay? God, it's Randy Newman. I didn't know he wrote films. <laughs> that's our that's our episode Are title. You sure, by the way. Are you sure he wrote the like? Did he write the score maybe for the film? He wrote. He had to have written the score. Yes. It's a comedy film directed by John Landis and written by Lorne Michaels, Steve Martin, and Randy Newman. <laughs> Hang on okay then. I don't know. I just. Re- <laughs> well, it'd be great if there was an entire website dedicated to this kind of thing. Let's look. IMDb. I don't think anyone has ever said the name Randy Newman. Newman co-wrote the 1986 <laughs> film Three Amigos. What? <laughs> he wrote on? three songs for the film, and he provided the voice for the singing bush. He was the singing <laughs> But he co-wrote the film. That's true, according to IMDb. Oh, that's okay. amazing. Are you, are you okay? I'm not okay. I haven't even seen this movie. I don't think you should. <laughs> Says Steve Martin, he's getting on his horse. He gets <laughs> on it backwards, tries to get off the horse. Now he's on a different horse. That's all I know about Three Amigos. What's happening? 
you know what? I don't think I need to say anything else. That's the three amigos. Where are you going? And, and scene. Uh, <laughs> you should watch the movie, Sky. It's pretty good. <laughs> Isn't there a scene where, like, Steve Martin's trying to get off a horse, or one of them's trying to get off a horse, but he just keeps getting on a horse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny? <laughs> I just imagine Randy Newman always at a piano, like singing. Like you're just doing the intro to "You've Got a Friend in Me" over and over. Yep. <laughs> like that's the way that Randy Newman talks all the time. Yep. <laughs> after after penning that song, he's like, "No, I can't." There's speech is beyond is beneath me. <laughs> well, this would be before that movie though. So it was, it was actually just really lazy with that movie and just wrote the song, or lazy with that song and and, and wrote wrote it the way he talks. You phone that in. All right, you know what I'm clicking? I'm clicking silent film. That's what I'm clicking. Okay, that's a good that's a good call. I'm clicking silent film. Oh man, it's Bill Murray and Robin Williams is in three Dude, amigos help too. Me out here. I can't. Are you okay? Silent I need film. to catch my breath. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Whew. All right. Uh, Einstein. So, uh, do you want to hear about <laughs> Einstein as a supporter of civil rights or yeah. Einstein's love of music? Were we oh. already on Einstein before? We were once, I believe. We did talk about his civil rights stuff at some point. Oh, we I think. did? I oh, think did so. We? Yeah. You oh, want to man. talk about some music then? Yeah. We had a database of all of this, man. Uh, he's quoted as saying, if I were not a physicist, I would probably be a musician. I often think in music. I live my daydreams in music. I see my life in terms of music. I get most joy in life out of music. I totally believe that. Math and si- uh, and music are closely related. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, they're, they're languages. Indeed. Um Einstein developed an appreciation of music at an early age. His mother played the piano reasonably well, it says. Well, it's okay. When she, when she wasn't bruising her hands up on her. Right. Yeah, when, when earthquakes weren't happening. Um, <laughs> and wanted her son to learn the violin, of course. Not only to instill in him a love of music, but also to help well, him assimilate into German culture, because I guess all the kids walked around the streets and, with violins. And also to make him hate his, mm-hmm. also to make him hate his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, when he turned 13, he discovered uh, the violin sonatas of Mozart and fell in love with Mozart's music. Uh, he taught himself to play without ever practicing systematically, he said, deciding that love is a better teacher than a sense of duty. Oh, dang. God, oh, his quotes are so good. <laughs> love is better. Wow. <laughs> uh, at age 17, he was heard by a school examiner in Arau, A A R A U. A A wait A A R. Oh my What's happening? I don't know. Did we forget how to podcast, you guys? <laughs> I think we've. I think we're nailing it. <laughs> uh, the, the examiner heard it said it was quote remarkable and revealing a great insight. What struck the examiner? Uh, was that Einstein displayed a deep love of the music equality that was and remains in short supply. Music possessed an unusual meaning for the student. A lot of things just um, meant a lot to him. Yeah, that's okay, too. He, he continued playing uh, through his life. 
see just his entire music. life just yep. continually playing all the time yep all the time chamber music had become a regular part of his social life when living in Bern, zurich and berlin he played with max max plank and his son no kidding yeah science jam wow <laughs> that's amazing um, man he is he is sometimes erroneously credited as the editor of the 1937 edition of the Coachell catalog of Mozart's work. That edition was actually prepared by Alfred Einstein. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Alfred Einstein is probably really upset all the time. <laughs> yeah, that was just that's a near, bad luck. Near, oh, the end, near the end of his life, when the young Juilliard Quartet visited, visited him in Princeton, he played his violin with them and they were impressed. What? Good. So that's, that's really cool. Yes. Uh, so uh, he, of course, became popular as a science dude and a musician. I've heard and of him, a musician. Yeah. And, you know, he went to the, the U.S. a few times. And he notably said that, you know, he didn't really like the whole war thing. And oh. uh, so the aversion to war led Einstein to befriend, befriend author Upton Sinclair and film star Charlie Chaplin. No! Wow. Both noted for their pacifism. Oh, no. Carl Lemiel, head of Universal Studios, gave Einstein a tour of his studio and introduced him to Chaplin. Wow. They had an instant rapport with Chaplin inviting Einstein and his wife, Elsa, to his home for dinner. Chaplin said Einstein's outward persona, calm and gentle, seemed to conceal a highly emotional temperament from which came his extraordinary intellectual energy. Wow. Chaplin also remembers Elsa telling him about the time Einstein conceived his theory of relativity. During breakfast one morning, he seemed lost in thought and ignored his food. She asked him if something was bothering him. He sat down at his piano and started playing. He continued playing and writing notes for half an hour, then went upstairs to his study, where he remained for two weeks, with Elsa bringing up his food. At the end of the two weeks, he came downstairs with two sheets of paper bearing his theory. Only two? Apparently. Wow. Maybe they were really big pieces of paper. <laughs> Just big um, sheets of butcher paper. Um, Chaplin visited Einstein at his home on a later trip to Berlin and recalled his modest little flat, quote unquote, and the piano at which he had begun writing his theory. Chaplin speculated that it was, quote, possibly used as kindling wood by the Nazis, unquote. Oh, no. Wow. So that oh. is weird. Well, you guys. Like, we... I, I knew they were buddies. Yeah. I didn't know that it was like kind of that close like yeah that's pretty yeah. close i didn't yeah. realize that either yeah but yeah charlie chaplin is linked here dang dang good pull tim jeez yeah the, well done and you got there through science i did that's so weird isn't it yeah we, that was weird science and steve martin we got yeah we we approached two people who are very well known in the arts and and connected them through science uh before we before you win <laughs> Before you uh, win, want, let's talk yeah, about I, silent film. I do want to talk about silent films very briefly. Yeah, this all ties together. This is nice. Uh, this is really cool, though. Um, silent films are films with no synchronized recorded sound, especially no spoken dialogue. Uh, in silent films for entertainment, the dialogue is transmitted through gestures, mime, and title cards. Uh, the idea of combining motion pictures with recorded sound is nearly as old as film itself. But because of the technical challenges involved, synchronized dialogue was only made practical in the 1920s with the right. perfection of the Audion amplifier tube and the introduction of the Vitaphone system. Um, <clears throat> no one actually called it silent film at the time that they were making silent film. Makes sense. It was just film. Right. The word si making it silent film only happened uh, after the 1920s. Mm -hmm. 
How nuts is that? By it's not the way. nuts. It makes total sense. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, like the way we think about it now. I know. It's just like how how you know Ohio is not west anymore. <laughs> That's true. Yep. Uh, obvi- uh, of course, the first uh, talkie uh, known uh, ever uh, made was the jazz singer in 1927. Oh, the jazz singer. Yep. And uh, which is really great trivia. Because I don't know how many versions I've seen that uh, versions yeah. of that questions I've seen in Trivial Pursuit. Yep. Uh, Pretty a, common. This is this is sad though. A September uh, 2013 report by the United States Library of Congress announced that a total of 70 percent of American silent feature films are believed to be completely lost. Wow. Oh, 70 percent of them. Yeah. Yeah, that is sad. So even in the modern era, we can. Completely just lost a full 70% of something that was completely formative of our culture, of the American culture hmm. at the height of its time. How nuts is that? Why, why, why did we lose them? Did they, uh, they just not like kept? Well, film is difficult, to, especially early film, like the way that they, what they shot it on. Right. It's difficult to preserve. Yeah, that's it's what I figured. It's really, really hard to preserve. Um, so really what you have to do is take the take the what were they gels i can't remember yeah i can't Um, remember either let's see uh well they don't really say but the the earliest films uh you know basically they took you you in order to preserve them you basically have to take the images and transfer 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 them to um you know newer media essentially and it's just difficult to do. It takes time. It takes money. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of them have just deteriorated, deteriorated over time. You can't really, you know, yeah, <laughs> you can't really save them. Uh, the visual of quality, visual quality of silent movies, especially those in the, produced in the 1920s, it says was often high. However, there's a widely held misconception that these films were primitive and barely watchable by modern standards. That comes as a result of silent films being played back at the wrong speed and their deteriorated conditions. Oh. Uh, many silent films exist only in second or third generation copies. Jeez. How sad. Like, often copied from already damaged and neglected film stock. Like, you know, there were a lot of times that people just, you know, they made these movies and no one thought that you would need to save that. You know, they didn't even really have copyright figured out at the time. Yeah, it's insane to think. So, anyway, uh, one bit that I do want to talk about is this bit in this article uh, down at the bottom of the article about tinting. Now, what color were silent films, you guys? Uh, Purple. Blue. Naturally, they were black and white. I thought Uh, it was going to be a trick. No, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that you didn't fall for it, I guess. (laughs) Or did fall for it. Okay. Um, with a lack of natural color processing available, films of the silent era were frequently dipped in dye stuffs and various and various shades, dyed various shades and hues to s- signal mood changes or represent time of oh, day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How cool is this, by the way? Um, hand tinting dates back to 1895 in the United States with Edison's release of selected hand t- print, hand tinted prints of Butterfly Dance. So during what they would do is they would tint sections of the movie to be slightly different colors and uh what ends up happening or to give it a different mood or say that it's a different time like it says here that 
Uh, if it was blue, that that made it a night scene. And uh, yellow or amber color, which looks kind of sepia-ish, uh, generally meant it was a daytime scene. That's how you knew. Right. Uh, what? And then red represented fire, and green represented a mysterious atmosphere. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so... Similarly, toning of films, such as the common silent film generalization of sepia toning with special solutions, replace the silver particles in the film stock with salts or dyes of various colors. Um, and what it would it could make a very striking image. It's just that we we think of it like that all the time, but that's not what it was, you know? Hmm. Uh, but yes, it was very impressive. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. It says here uh, in Japan, films not only have live music, but also a benchy, which is a live narrator who provides commentary and character voices, which what? I think is hilarious. So you have someone in the theater with you, like basically being like, hey, Fred, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing. And he actually became like a central element in Japanese film for a while. And it was actually really, I guess, convenient because it was easy to translate uh, American movies. Because you could just take an American movie, be like, well, I guess, you know, oh. if he says this at this point, that makes sense. And, you know what I mean? Like, and just bring it over. Wow. And so silent films were actually around in Japan until like the, into the 1930s. So that's really cool. I didn't know that. It's a, it's a crazy. And like, I'm surprised that, that more places didn't think to do that. I guess maybe, maybe Americans wouldn't be into that as much. Maybe their yeah. theaters were much larger. I'm not really sure. Or we're just dumb. I mean, when it comes to it, I, I like that this is basic. That it's basically its own version of a riff tracks, kind of. Yeah, it kind of feels. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I read it too. It's like it kind of feels riff tracksy, but not. I mean, because they fill in, you know, the boring gaps all the time with with commentary. Mm. But yeah, it is. Yeah. It is kind of like that. It's neat. Well, where would you have oh gone? Is oh, Charlie no. Chaplin on to... here? Hold on, I have to connect this. This is amazing that this makes this connection. Uh, all right, a little farther down in the article, um, Warner Brothers was the first studio. Uh, this is talking about the transition to sound, uh, uh, sound um, talkies, I guess, sound movies. Warner Brothers was the first studio to accept sound as an element in film production and utilize Vitaphone, a sound on disc, disc technology to do so. The studio then released The Jazz Singer in 1927, which marked the first commercially successful sound film, but silent films were still the majority of the features released in 1927 and 28, along with so-called goat-glanded films, silence with a section of, of sound film inserted. Do you guys know what that refers to? Goat what? Goat-glanded. Goat-glanded. Goat yes. Goat-glanded? Oh my gosh, do you got, have I not told you about this guy? I'm not sure. I want to know. Incredible. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, It's linked, so I can just take you straight to the Wikipedia page. Goat gland is a term applied uh, from around 1927 to 29 during the period of transition from silent films to sound films. It referred to an already completed silent film to which one or more talkie sequences were added in an effort to make the otherwise redundant film more more suitable for release in the radically altered market, radically altered market conditions. That's basically Blu-ray with uh, uh, commentary, by the way. Um, the name was derived from an, by analogy from the treatment devised by Dr. John R. Brinkley as an alleged cure for impotence. This was oh. happening at the time 
oh my gosh, this guy, this is another contribution that this terrible, awful person made to our culture. That's insane. Oh, what? I remember. I, I heard this on Sawbones. John Brinkley? Have yes. You not, Sky, you need to read about this guy. No, you I, do. I don't know anything this about him. This guy's crazy. Uh, I will do an entire episode so, about him sometime. <laughs> so, so he basically felt that a good cure for uh, male impotence mm-hmm. was to just um, pop some goat testicles in the guy. Yep. Oh, okay. He killed. Just sew him in there, and then it would be like, yeah, goats this, are really good at this whole sex thing. Is this the guy? It, is this the same guy that went around like lobotomizing people? No. Okay. No, he didn't do that. That was happening around the same time. Oh yeah, that is definitely a thing, but. This guy, uh, he literally killed hundreds of people uh, just because he's not a surgeon, obviously. And uh, like just through infections and things like that, yeah. like he, he started, um, he, he, he basically, because of him, the American Medical Association got, had to start actually like cracking down on quacks. Like he's <laughs> the guy. Quacking who, down. Quacking down, yeah. He's the guy that they went after to start that. Like we have the level of, uh, of actual scrutiny on doctors today because of him. That's nuts. He also helped develop uh, the West uh, country music. Country music would be a totally <laughs> different music uh, scene than it without him, uh, because he was the first person to actually use radio commercially. This is so evil. And well, no, because he had to put out ads for his uh, for his goat ball service. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, And he launched two campaigns uh, to be governor of Kansas. And he actually like he because of the way that he campaigned over the radio and doing stump speeches and, and traveling like he revolutionized how people campaigned for office at the time. Wow. Like this guy, like he was a terrible terrible person but without him american culture would look vastly different and and in our medical industry yes so they were called goat glanded films because they were inserting sound into films that shouldn't have had sound badly too that's that's really specific to it that they did it it, (laughs) that's amazing that that he made that kind of a that 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 lives on in that reference crazy like Calling it a goat glanded uh, film. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Ah, I love these little things that connect sometimes. And that's why we play this game, you guys. That's why we play this game. I'll play. Do you want to talk uh, about Charlie Chaplin? I do. Yeah, we should. Wait, so you said you said at the start of this that there was a, like a theme. Yeah. What, what was, was the theme? Black and white. Oh. <laughs> I found another theme. Also, uh... Whoa. Alliteration. What was that? Also, really good-looking dudes. What the crap? I did yeah, not. Yeah, Charlie Chaplin. So- like you, you usually think of him as like the tramp with the mustache. No, oh, yeah. Without that get up, he's a pretty handsome dude. Ow! Didn't I yeah, need he's... to sit down? Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Sorry, I'm just gonna be um, over here. So another theme that that sort of came up that I noticed, um, as Ansel Adams refused to really go into color from his black and white photos. Mm. Charlie Chaplin also uh, resisted going into talkies from his silent era success. Of course he would. 
He's quoted here saying, uh, I was determined to continue making silent films. I was a pantomimist, and in that medium, I was unique and, without false modesty, a master. So two people who are really good at their medium right. deciding yeah. that, hey, I'm going to continue at this medium because I'm, like, the best at it. He was really, really good. And he did. Um, he released a movie in 1931 called City Lights that was well within the time when talkies came out. And initial test screenings, people were like, what? No, what is this? <laughs> and then some critics saw it and they're like, wow, this is really good. And it became a financial success. Wow. Um, the British Film Institute cites it as Chaplin's finest accomplishment. And the critic uh, James uh, Agee hails the closing scene as, quote, the greatest piece of acting and the highest moment in movies, unquote. Wow. wow. Dang. Became his Chaplin's personal favorite movie of his own uh, for the rest of his life. Hmm. So um, later on in life, uh, Charlie Chaplin had a really big fall in stardom in America. Do you know what caused that? Is it when he spoofed Adolf Hitler? Oh, no. America loved him for that. Oh, seriously? Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, oh, look at this picture he of him. He did something. He did a thing. Okay. Was, oh, you know what I bet it was? It was, was it communism? Yeah. It was communism. <laughs> yeah, he was big into communism. Um, he was not big into communism per se. Uh, he protested the trials. But he was on, sure. yeah, he was on the, he was on the list, essentially. Right. Yeah. yeah. J. Edgar Hoover hated him. Oh, I bet. And smeared him whenever he could. <laughs> J. Edgar and, Hoover hated, one weird trick that helped Charlie Chaplin. J. Yeah. Edgar Hoover hated him. <laughs> um, Chaplin denied being a communist and said calling himself a peacemonger, but felt Ooh. the government's effort to suppress the ideology was an unacceptable infringement of civil liberties. Can, Unwilling to, to be, Oh, no, go on, I'm sorry. Oh, that's so great. Go yeah. on. <laughs> Unwilling to be quiet about the issue, he openly protested the trials of Communist Party members and the activities of the House Un-American Activities Committee, the WHAC. Um, <laughs> Chaplin received a subpoena to appear before WHAC, but was not called to testify. As his activities were widely reported in the press and Cold War fears grew, questions were raised over his failure to take American citizenship. Mm. He pretty much didn't want to because everyone in America was being a jerk at the time. <laughs> That's calls were made great. for him to be deported um in one extreme and widely published example representative john e rankin who helped establish the huac told congress in june 1947 that quote uh chaplin's very life in hollywood is detrimental to the moral fabric of america wow uh if he is deported his loathsome pictures can be kept from before the eyes of the american youth he should be deported and gotten rid of at once Oh, my gosh. Uh, he eventually left on his own because, you know, forget that noise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, he left in 1953, uh, lived in Europe until 1977. Uh, in 1972, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences offered Chaplin an honorary award, uh, which was seen as a sign that America wanted to make amends with him. Mm. A chaplain was initially hesitant about accepting, but decided to return to the U.S. for the first time in 20 years. Uh, the visit attracted a large amount of press coverage, and at the Academy Awards, he was given a 12-minute standing ovation, the longest in the Academy's history. What? <laughs> 12 Visibly minutes? emotional, Chaplin accepted his award for, quote, the uncalculable effect he has had in making motion pictures the art form of this century, unquote. He 
better have been emotional after 12 yeah. minutes. Yep. That is um, amazing. Yep. Jack Lemon presented him the award. Oh, I see this picture of them. Oh, my yep. gosh. It's so weird seeing like Jack Lemon that young with Charlie. Ch oh, wow. That's a lot of like, I don't know, it, it, generational stuff happening there. That's weird. Yeah. But cool. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good spot to end. I like that that nice note. Cool. Oh wow! Good job, guys. That was really yeah. that was actually really cool. How you you both kind of were like right next to each other, going to similar things in different ways, and you almost yeah you almost hit it like right at the same same moment. So yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah we both uh, and we both got to go through Steve Martin too, which I'm sure he would he would probably enjoy. <laughs> yes, he appreciates uh, it. Yeah, this picture actually up up in the article uh, where they're talking about the great dictator, uh -huh. uh, this still of Chaplin as Adolf Hitler, like the pose that he's doing, like looking at the globe like this, this looks so much, I thought it was a, like a spoof that Steve Martin had done of this. Like that looks so much like how I imagine Steve Martin would be doing the same kind of joke role. Yeah. That, that, that looks so similar to me anyway. Yeah. Um, so you guys can find us at, uh, wskbcast.blogspot.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at wskbcast. Uh, we are on Facebook. If you search for, we should know better, uh, we show up. Um, and we're <laughs> on, if we're we on, feel like it. Yeah. And we're on Stitcher and, uh, you can find us on iTunes. So leave us a rating if you can. Uh, we haven't had a rating in like maybe six months Oof. so yeah it, i mean you could be one you could be the 18th person the 18th person oh man yeah and i mean we still haven't heard back i i did not get a single monster serial entry from anyone oh yeah <laughs> i forgot that we were supposed to come up with our with some weren't we oh yeah we were yeah we didn't do that though well we can do that for next time so. <laughs> yeah. when we record <laughs> we the <remember>. thanksgiving episode <laughs> <laughs> i actually don't know like i was trying to think of some as we were going tonight like i don't know what i'd want to do from this episode like I, there are too many big names in this episode that i like i, I don't want to yeah. i don't want to let them down by saying something stupid <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy because like i when i did it i i kind of went i can't exactly remember how i did it because i did it two weeks ago Mm -hmm. But I just kind of went through, I think I did go through like black and white film acting and then got to Charlie Chaplin. So it's crazy that you guys hit on like such big names. Like I didn't expect to go to Einstein. That's amazing. Yeah, that's I, good. I totally didn't think of them uh, getting on. That That's pretty great. Yeah, that part of history, like there was so much going on and so many like famous people that were into each other's junk. Like, and, and apparently... <laughs> Apparently quacks into people's junk that, uh, yeah, uh, it's just an insane time. Yeah, that, that that's our, our uh, maybe we need a month. Time. Maybe we need like uh, the, an early 20th century, like month episodes only. Talk about yeah. It. yeah, it's mm -hmm. crazy. Um, yeah, that's our that's our uh, assignment for next time. If you were if you were a quack, uh, what would be your your stick and why? Stick. Yeah, well, that's sure. You yeah. know, would be your your pitch. Why why would people come to you? Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Why are you so into people? <laughs> cool. Well, thanks guys. Until next time. Uh, have a good night. Bye. Bye.
was my sound consistent throughout? Yeah. Okay. That sounded great. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone sounds good. And I and yeah. I can wear I can I wear I can <laughs> I can wear better headphones now. <laughs> my ears don't get crushed. Oh yeah, that probably helps. It. Oh Tim, we're so glad to have you. Thank you guys. Welcome, welcome, and welcome to the future, Tim. I will now accept my twelve-minute standing ovation. Yeah.